Welcome and thanks for listening to the Franklin Road Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast consists of the preaching and teaching from the pulpit of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our prayer is that what you hear from this podcast will bless and encourage your Christian life as you seek to follow Him. We strongly believe there is no substitute for being a part of a thriving local church. If you're in the Murfreesboro area, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday or Wednesday. But if you are enjoying this preaching from somewhere else, we want to encourage you to find a Bible preaching church where you can grow and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. If you're listening to this podcast and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love nothing more than to help show you how you can have your eternity settled and begin your relationship with God. Feel free to visit us in person or online at frbc.com for more information. Now let's see what God has for us from His Word today. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Psalm 36. Psalm 36. We finish our Acts series. I could have said Acts 29. There's only Acts 28, but we're living in Acts 29 right now because the book ends uh, without an ending, I should say. And so we're still writing church history. We wrote some this morning, and um, I'm grateful and thankful for our church, and I hope that you are as well. I'm glad that I'm a part of the Franklin Road Baptist Church, and um, God allows me to not just preach here, but serve here. And I trust that you feel the same way. We're doing a, uh, we're just actually going to take a section of scripture. Um, I just felt led tonight to to preach on the loving kindness of God. And um, we're living in a world that's waxing worse and worse. And we cannot lose sight of our loving God. And he, he was just singing about that a moment ago. And the friend we have in Jesus. Let's stand together, please. We'll read the entire psalm, just 12 short verses. Psalm 36. And um, David had penned this, and then he had delivered it to the chief musician. This is a psalm that was sung in worship about the loving kindness of God. Verse 1. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that... There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Now he changes gears, talks about God. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains, thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest, preservest, preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Thou shalt make them drink of the waters of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life, and thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me. Let not the hand of the wicked remove me. 
There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and should not be able to rise. Now, as you read this, you think, well, that's a lot of flowery words, and how do you find meaning in all of that? Well, I believe with diligent study, we can find meaning in this. In fact, we're going to do that tonight. But understand, David was writing using the words and the vocabulary and those things that he could see. He was writing as you and I would write or talk about God today and maybe use other words. So all this has meaning tonight. And I want us to consider verse 7. Let's read that out loud together as our text verse, verse 7. Ready? How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. That excellent loving kindness. He starts out the chapter with somebody who is not living for God. Then he talks about God. Then he talks about how we benefit from his loving kindness. And I want to speak on this subject tonight. Living in God's loving kindness. Living in God's loving kindness. It's a very spiritual message, so you'll have to really keep your spiritual ears on and really concentrate on the scriptures tonight. Because the psalmist is telling us some things we need to know about God. He's telling us some things we need to know about evil and wicked people. And he's telling us how we can live and experience that loving kindness of God. How many say, boy, in this world we're living, I sure would like to know that. Amen? Father, bless your word. Challenge us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. I suppose there are many words that describe the character of God toward his children, but loving kindness is one that is a very, very personal way in which God demonstrates his love and his care for all of us. Loving kindness is a, an English word here that is derived from a Hebrew word which means this, and I quote the definition, God's unwavering goodness and kindness to undeserving mankind. Let me say that again. God's unwavering goodness and kindness to undeserving mankind. Now, how do you describe that? How do you, how do you put all this in words? And even begin to understand the loving kindness of God because it's so broad. David is the penman here of this song by inspiration, but he also wrote about God's loving kindness in Psalm 51, is a penitent psalm. After his sin with Bathsheba, he wrote these words in Psalm 51, verse 1 Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now I want to read that again. I want you to to help me kind of define, quickly define this word using scripture called loving kindness. Listen to the verse. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. There are three things we can find out about God's loving kindness just from this one verse. From a man who needed God to show his mercy and grace. We find this, first of all, that loving kindness includes mercy. How many thank God for God's mercy? <clears throat> the Bible says over and over, his mercy endureth forever. And thank God that mercy is always there for us when we need it. Secondly, we find out that God's loving kindness includes tenderness. 
tenderness, something that uh, maybe men know very little about. Women maybe know a little more about tenderness than, than men do, but our God is a tender God. And then thirdly, we find out that God's loving kindness blots out sin. In other words, God's loving kindness shows us grace. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God tonight. So as we consider God's loving kindness, I want us to kind of take a look at the wickedness of men, just how bad can man get, and then God's loving kindness, and then how we can live in that. I want to live to the best of my ability under the umbrella of God's loving kindness. Number one, I want you to consider this first of all, the failure of the wicked in verses 1 through 4. The failure of the wicked in verses 1 through 4. Now, as I, as I read this section of Scripture, and as I was taught in Bible college, some passages just outline themselves very quickly. And I know that you don't always have to use alliteration. Alliteration is where sometimes a preacher or a speaker will employ words that start with the first letter. But the letter F is all through these, these first few verses in verses 1 through 4. And you can kind of follow along. But the failure of the wicked, the Bible says here in verse number one, that he has no fear of God. And the, the wicked world out there, and I can't comment on all these because I want to zip through it. But we're living in a world right now that has absolutely no fear of God. The Bible goes on to say that this person that that's fails in uh, wickedness, he flattereth with his lips. And, and I don't have time to, this is a message in itself, how a person can flatter himself in his own eyes, but uh, it's not real easy to scratch your back, let alone pat yourself on the back, but this person did. And actually there's a reference maybe you want to chase down later on in Deuteronomy 29, 19 that tells about how Israel got itself to the place where the people said, we're going to walk away from God because God really won't care about that and I'll be just fine. And I want you to understand that that's a very dangerous place to get Whenever you call yourself a child of God, but you can go your own way, make up your own rules, and pat yourself on the back and say, I'm a pretty good feller. And so this person, <laughs> this wicked, flattereth himself in his own eyes. Uh, thirdly, uh, there's iniquity found out in him. And whenever you observe and discern this particular person, you'll find that uh, the iniquity is found in him and is found to be that he is a hateful person at its root, his root. We find out also that his lips are fraudulent. Now, yeah, I got to, I threw this one in here. But uh, verse 3 says, the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. In other words, he's a fraud. He can't speak the truth. Uh, uh, fifthly, he has left off from being good and wise. Uh, verse 3 he hath left off to be wise and to do good. In other words, this was a person at one time that was a wise person. This was a person that was a pretty good person, but he's walked away from all of that. And then we see that uh, he devises mischief in verse number four on his own bed. So in other words, he is a fraud at heart. Uh, you know, there's actually people that lay around at night and think up evil. They sure do. You know, one way to keep from doing that is have thoughts of God uh, as you lay on your bed at night. And uh, that's the way we should meditate. Then the Bible says that he has fallen back 
from being a good person, uh, he set it himself, verse, verse 4, he set himself in a way that is not good. And I've written in this first four verses, this is just not a good person. And the route and the path this person on is just not a good path. Listen to me. You know when you're on a good path with God. And you know when you're not on a good path with God. And this person was wayward. And I just want to challenge you tonight. That if you're not on the right path with God, get back on track. Whatever it takes, get back on track with God. The failure of the wicked. He fails to abhor evil. In other words, the Bible says about Job that he eschewed evil. In other words, he avoided evil. That means he went out of his way to get around evil, not this person. He doesn't abhor it. And I want to challenge you again tonight as your pastor. You ought to get yourself to the place where you cannot stand evil and evil ways. Because if you don't, it'll get its hooks in your jaws and it will drag you down. So this is uh, how the, uh, the uh, wicked person has failed in his life. I want you to skip over at the last verse, verse 12, and we see this chapter closes out with the, his failure is destined. It says, There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. Here we find that uh, he's classified, this wicked person is classified as a worker of iniquity. I don't want to be cast into that lot. The workers of iniquity are a group of people that are on this planet right now that they sit around and dream up just how evil they can be. These are the gangs. These are the terrorists. These are the wicked people that steal from you at night and even in the day. This is the Antifa crowd. This is a crowd that cannot stand authority and they rebel against authority. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a classification given there that has a terrible destruction and demise. The Bible says in verse 12, they're fallen from their place of good standing. They're cast down from the blessing of God's favor. They shall not be able to rise to their place of society because nobody rises on their own. God puts them up. God takes them down. Ladies and gentlemen, if God's got you up where you need to be, stay on track and stay on fire for God. So we find the failure of the wicked. Okay, we got that out of the way. There's a lot we can say about that. But this is not the path that you want to get on. But number two, and this is, <laughs> this is, a, this is the enjoyable part of the message for me. <laughs> but we see number two, the faithfulness of the Father. In the middle of all of this wickedness, God is faithful in verses 5 through 7. And we're going to pull a lot out of these verses and I will probably read most of it but I want you to consider this and I'll tell you what I want to do to keep from going back to it I want, to, I want us to read together this faithfulness of God I want us to read verses 5, 6, and 7 together then I want to preach on it in just a moment okay because I want to pull some things out about God that maybe you've never thought about I'm going to talk about God's loving kindness here. Verse 5, let's ready. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches under the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust in 
under the shadow of thy wings. That little phrase, uh, how excellent is thy kindness. Oh God, in my Bible, ex exclamation point. The, the writer is a human being that's getting the spirit of God poured in him by inspiration. And he swells to a crescendo when he talks about the loving kindness of God. I want to see if I can do that justice tonight. I want to talk about his mercy in the heavens, his faithfulness reaches to the clouds, his righteousness to the great mountains, his judgments like a great deep, he preserves man and beast, his loving kindness is excellent. I, I want to talk about those six things, and I want you to just listen carefully as I work my way through it. I'm going to try not to stray because I don't want to be long tonight, but I want us to consider, first of all, his mercy, verse number five, is in the heavens. What does that mean? Though sin is present in this world, and in the heart of the wicked man in the backside we just read, God's mercy is always there, just like the sky is always there. Sometimes covered by clouds, but it's always there. And it extends to the infinite space, all the way to the third heaven, where abodes the mercy seat, and the Son of God, the extender of all mercy. Spurgeon said about this section of Scripture, High above the smoke and din of this wicked, sinful world, the mercy of God calmly smiles in the soft blue skies. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever wonder where the mercy of God is, just look up and see the broad expanse of a beautiful blue sky and know that God's mercy endureth forever. His faithfulness, secondly, reaches to the clouds. One must ask, from which side of the clouds does God's faithfulness reach? From above the clouds or from below the clouds? Well, from heaven's throne down to the clouds or from earth's ground up, up to the clouds? How about both sides? How about this? The clouds are but a veil which limit man's view. In Bible times, there were no planes to take us to the high places in the sky. There were no rockets to launch us out into space. But in the Bible, the clouds represented affliction and sorrow. But God's faithfulness to man is proven on earth's side on the clouds as he provides for us the atmosphere to breathe air and the water to drink and, uh, and food to sustain us and survive. But ladies and gentlemen just as much as God is faithful on this side of the clouds when you die and breathe your last breath here just like brother Kurt was singing that last golden step you'll find him faithful on the other side heaven with all of its beauty and will be there for all of us and you can never imagine how beautiful it is faithful thirdly his righteousness to the great mountains well, what does that mean here we see God's righteousness as commandments that change not we speak of righteousness we speak of the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots and here the writer says they're like the great mountains just like the tornadoes and hurricanes never phase the mighty mountain though the whole land may be stripped of its dwellings and foliage the great mountains stand strong lofty and firm and steady and sublime and what he's saying this regarding God's 
faithful, righteous, that his word never changes. His promises never change. His doctrines never change. That's born out in scripture because God never changes. Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Uh, Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and he shall not do it? Hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? James 1, 17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down for the Father of lights with whom is no variables nor shadow of turning. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because its compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances. Ladies and gentlemen, this whole world is held together by the mighty word of God. Faithful, the faithfulness of, of almighty God. In a world that's failing with wickedness. We see fourthly his judgments are like a great deep. The great deep speaks of the sea. Which in those days was a mystery to man. They never discovered its depth. They never discovered its length. Or its tempest. Or its width. They didn't understand its calm. In like manner no man has the right to question the judgments of God. Just like we don't know about the great Eben, I know last time I checked, Jacques Cousteau is dead. I mean, who even who Jacques Cousteau is? The great underwater explorer. And I know, I know that we have scientists that think they know it all. I get all that. All of the science, I get all that. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I understand that there's some pretty smart people that can tell you all about it. But as I look at this globe, I look at all the water mass and the great deep. I'll tell you what Mike Norse thinks. I think they don't know. They've not been everywhere. Even the computer can't help us with that. His judgments are just like that. Who are we to say what is fair, what is not fair? Who are we to question the judgment of God that's like a great deep? May I say this about God? He may give us the answer to our human questions, and he may choose not to. But one thing is always true. He's faithful, and there is an answer. We may not know till we get to heaven. We'll understand it better by and by as the old song goes. Number five, yet he preserves in all of this faithfulness, he still preserves man and beast. Why? Because he's full of grace and because he's full of mercy and because he said that we would be here till he's done with us. And then we're going to heaven someday. All this greatness and yet man lives on. All the wickedness in the world today and the unfairness, and yet man lives on. All the cattle and all the fish and all the fowl and all the insects live on. All preserved by God and God alone. 
And I just say this right here. There's no such thing as a self-made man. Because God preserves it all. Somebody said this just, just this past week to me, and it's nothing new. You probably heard it before, but it's a reminder. One way God made us to know that we're not God is sleep. Sooner or later, you've got to go to sleep and let Jesus take over. So believe it or not, you're not a self-made person. By the way, how can we trust him to close our eyes at night and not trust him through the day? I figured that one out. And then lastly, his loving kindness is excellent. I don't even know where to go with this. That seems like an understatement after what we just read. There we see the most excellent, precious, supreme attitude of our almighty God, in my opinion as a human being, and that is this, his loving kindness. God's unwavering goodness and kindness to undeserving mankind. Here we're not speaking necessarily of strictly mercy or judgment or righteousness, which in their own right are extremely important for our existence. We're pulling out this individual attribute of God, which is called his loving kindness, that you and I have the privilege to live, to experience, to move about, have our being inside of the loving kindness of God. How do we do that? I don't know how to tell you to do that except for one word. That would be this, be faithful to God. My last point, I, I call it this, the fountain of the faithful. The last part of verse number 7 down through verse number 11 we see some of the benefits of the loving kindness of God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of his wings. Again, we, we can see that we can put our faith in this shadow of his wings. They say there's a couple different ideas about the shadow of his wings. One is the wingspan of the eagle, the mother eagle, the female eagle that flies over and broods over its young eaglets and others say it is the shadow of the wing of a hen that broods over its little chicklets. Regardless, I can tell you this, that is talking about the place that we can run to, the place that we can trust, tender just like the hen and the Mother Eagle has its tender, caring mercy for those young. God has the same for his children. Then it talks about the fatness of our house. Here it says in verse number 8, And shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Thou shalt preserve them, uh, and, thou shalt, me, and thou shalt make them drink of the, of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Oh, continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. So the Bible tells us about how we can put our faith in the shadow of his wings and how the fatness or the prosperity of our house shall be an abundant satisfaction. 
This is the faithful that is. And the fountain is like a river of pleasure that brings that fresh water in due season into our life. And I would just say this. We understand that life is not full of pleasure. But every little bit of pleasure that God sends your way, y'all rejoice in it and be thankful for it. And then in his face, the Bible says, verse 9, is the presence of light. I like this verse. It says, in thy light shall we see light. We've been talking a lot about light on Sunday mornings. And, but here's talking more about the countenance of God, his face. You ever heard the phrase, their face just lit up? And I will tell you that that's how we want God's face toward us. In his face is the presence of light. The light that we need to enlighten us and guide us and whose sweet countenance of acceptance we can witness his pleasure with our lives and direction. And moms and dads especially have a way of showing pleasure to their children by their face. You can tell when dad or mom is not pleased with you just by their countenance. And can I say God has a countenance as well. Now I want to ask you just a question right now tonight. Don't answer out loud. But is God smiling at what you're doing? What does the countenance of his face look like tonight? Right now. He talks about our fellowship in the next verse. How it is sweet in his loving kindness. And we know him and he knows us. And when our hearts are upright and genuinely righteous. That we can enjoy the full power of his loving kindness. A song we sing sometimes, everything's all right in my father's house, in my father's house. We just a little course we sing. And the idea behind that is everything's all right. Dad's happy. The Father, heavenly, our heavenly father's happy. We're on the right path. We're doing the right thing. What would it take to get you to that spot? What would it take to get you to the place where you're living in the loving kindness of God and you're not getting up to some weird agenda in the morning. You're not getting up to a troubled marriage or a troubled family life or, or just troublesome day at work. And although there may be an edge on all of these things, but you get up tomorrow morning living in the loving kindness of God because everything's right between you and the Lord. The Bible says our feet are held back from pride, verse 11. Our future is secure. We should not be moved. My age, I am determined to finish strong. I like to think I was determined when I was younger, when I was a 30-year-old man, 35-year-old man. I believe that I was. But the older I get and the more I watch people quit on God and fall back and fail, I'm more determined than ever before to watch each step I take and make sure that I'm walking with God. And I want to challenge you to do the same. Our future is secure. We should not be moved. These are ones that are living in the loving kindness of God. Now listen to me. That is available to every person under the sound of my voice tonight. I heard a sad story recently. I actually read the sad story of a lady who owned her own daycare. She had a few other ladies that worked for her every day, and they took a select number 
of children, preschool aged children. And one day, a lady was dropping off a four-year-old little girl, brought her by to watch her for the day. It was a grandmother. She dropped the little four-year-old off, and she told the daycare owner the story. She was born in prison. Her mother was incarcerated for drugs and taken drugs all throughout her pregnancy. So as a little infant child, she was born as what is called a crack baby. She had a lot of problems. Four years old, and she could talk, but she wouldn't talk. She never spoke to anybody at that nursery. At least once a day, she'd have a fit of rage, and, and the nursery owner, to keep the other ladies from having to deal with the child, she'd pick the child up. And she'd take the child off to a corner office where there was a rocking chair. She'd hold that child real close and real tight. She'd sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me. And she'd rock that little child until that child would settle down. She'd put her down to play again. Next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. The average preschool worker or nursery owner wouldn't put up with that, but for some reason this lady fell in love with this beautiful little child. Every day, day after day, she'd take that child off to a corner office, put in that rocking chair, and she'd sing the song. One day, the lady must have been busy or her mind had strayed. She just picked the child up when she went in a fit of rage. She held her tight. She sat in the chair and she rocked her. She rocked her. The baby, the child, four-year-old girl was hard to settle down and finally she raised up and she looked at the preschool owner and said, sing me about that man that loves me. She put her head back down her shoulder. She started singing how Jesus loves. Now, I told you that story because that's the best human picture I could find. It gets us to kind of understand what loving kindness is. We don't deserve that. The children of Israel rebelled on God. God still sent them manna. They rebelled on him again. He still sent him water out of the rock. They rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. And still, their shoe did not wax old. And the clothes on their back didn't wax old. And every day, God showed his mercy and his loving kindness. Took care of them. The prodigal son deserved nothing when he came back. But the father showed his loving kindness. as a picture of our heavenly father. And you and I ought to thank God tonight for every bit of loving kindness that he has shown each of us. Amen. And I want to challenge you tonight. If you don't feel loved by God, that's not his fault. 
The Bible says in 1 John 5, 19, we'll eventually get this in our Sunday morning series, we love him because he first loved us. Stand to our feet, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe tonight they're going to come and play softly right here on the piano, but maybe tonight you just want to come and thank God for his loving kindness. It just, it just felt like preaching on something other than what's going on in the world tonight, and maybe you just want to thank him for his loving kindness. Thank you for what he's doing in your life. Maybe this evening you just want to say, I, I just I want to sense that. I want to live in that. I need that. This altar is open right now. They're coming. She's going to play softly as she plays. Would you just find yourself a place tonight? Maybe there in your seat. And tell God, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for taking care of us all these years my family, for my marriage, children, my grandchildren, my house, our food. Somebody came along one day and told you about Jesus, the loving kindness of God that led that soul winner your way. Maybe you want to call out that person's name tonight and say thank you. here tonight you've never trusted Christ as a Savior we want you to experience that loving kindness that free grace and mercy that's available to you right now to forgive you of all of your sins it doesn't matter who you are what you've done where you've been God wants to take you tonight and clean you up would you come there'll be somebody standing here with a Bible in their hand they'll take that Bible tonight and show you how you could be a born again Christian tonight would you come would you come if you've been saved, not been baptized, we'd like to help you with that. He's been walking through every bit of it. If you'd like to join our church, we want you to come. Father, bless as we sing tonight. And consider the loving kindness of our almighty God, we pray in Jesus' name.